Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this July the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Reimnitz. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, the rainstorm stopped in your area? Yep. Yep. We've got sunshine now. Didn't get it like your northern county where you got, what, about 13 inches in an hour? Wow. That's something. Yeah. Well, boy, you guys are flooded out in the northern northern part. Well, we're really interested in taking a look at the article that you uh, found today. It is entitled, 10 Reasons Why We Need to Release the Church in the Workplace. It's by Joseph Matera, and he's an op-ed contributor, uh, wrote this on Tuesday, July the 22nd, uh, the 26th. And so we're going to be taking a look as to where we might agree with him or disagree with him. His first statement, though, in the early church, there was no separation between the clergy and laity. Is that correct? I didn't see it in in, in the early church. In fact, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, Paul's instructions to Timothy, Timothy was an early pastor, uh, and how to, to interface or just witness or speak with his people. Exactly. In, in fact, he makes the point, too, of the conditions of a bishop, married to one person, being able to instruct his family, this kind of thing, has a whole list of items as to who could be selected to be the pastor of a congregation. So this article starts off on a wrong note, but the purpose for the article was really to talk about how the church is not just there on Sunday mornings, but also during the week. And I think there we should uh, maybe take a look at some of the items that he's talking about. Right. That was initially... uh... Well, I picked up the articles to take a look at in the workplace, and he primarily deals in, in New Testament, which uh, kind of begs the question a little bit: what is missing? You know, the the whole Word of God, the whole Bible, is from Genesis to Revelation, and not Matthew to Revelation. And I, I think we. I think he went with a shorter reason with with New Testament, but I also think that it should have been a wider discussion uh, of the whole book. Yes, uh, the first thing he mentions is Jesus chose 12 marketplace leaders, not 12 religious leaders. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that either. There's no doubt that much of the preaching and teaching about Jesus and the apostles was kind of in the marketplace, not just in the synagogue or at the temple. In fact, he makes a point that 
the majority of miracles were done outside of the synagogue, etc. But we might have a problem in talking about that the ministry ought to be brought into the office of a lot of people. Well, why would that maybe be a problem? Because of the uh, uh, policies that workplace may have about sharing one's religion. Because in, nowadays it's, it's multi-religions in, in, in the uh, workplace. So I think that uh, that creates a little bit of, of the problem. And we've covered that before with schools, children bringing their Bibles and reading it in open times. There's been lawsuits where someone wears a cross at, at work and they were told to take it off. So there's quite a, a ongoing battle there. Yes, and our laity are, are faced with that. It really depends where you're at. Uh, I was at a hospital uh, for various surgeries, and guess what was on the wall of every room? A cross. Yes, a cross. Hmm. Now, it was a Christian hospital, and we have a number of them in St. Louis. St. Mary's is a Roman Catholic kind of institution. And then you have Mercy Hospital and others uh, where nuns are very much involved uh, with items. In fact, I've been on an elevator more than once with a nun and we get talking about the distinction between Roman Catholicism and Lutheranism. And we're talking mm. right there in the hospital. Uh, one time we stepped out of the elevator and continued to talk for about 10 minutes. So there, there was no problem because the cross was available everywhere. But in some places, you do need to be very careful. You're, you're not allowed to have, for example, talking to people during the work time about your faith and about the faith of others. And we would honor that. Right. Well, but I could think of several instances in the scriptures where uh, sharing one's faith got them into trouble. What are you he, thinking of? Joseph. He was manager for Potiphar's house, and uh, his Potiphar's wife wanted to engage in an affair with him, and, and he said no. And, you know, he didn't want to not offend the Potiphar, but to offend God. And he ended up in jail as a result. And, and look at yeah. Daniel. There's another example. There you, go. you got three yeah, of them Daniel. thrown into a fiery furnace. Fiery furnace. <laughs> yep, I was thinking of that one too. So there's no doubt. But on the other hand, the the king that Daniel was under had made a statue of himself and everyone was told to worship it and Daniel wouldn't do that. So there's a Bible verse that covers that, that we obey God rather than uh, man. Man, yep. And that definitely is occurring 
in, in a number of things. I just read an article in the Wisconsin state. Every teacher has to have the opinion that gay marriage is okay or they can't be a oh, public really? school teacher. Yep. That was just adopted. And that's going to be very yeah. interesting because that's absolutely yeah. contrary to God's word. And that's why I think, you know, stories from the Old Testament and the lives of God's people are, are so important uh, of the life and death situations they were involved in and what it meant to follow God and to know that uh, the, the Lord is watching over them. Yes. Now, there are occasions when even in the workplace, you are able to share the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, I had worked at Chrysler, uh, the automobile plant, for about six months. And the other workers knew that I was being prepared to go to the seminary to become a pastor. And when I first began working, they, some of them kind of made fun of that. But as the weeks went by, some of them would meet me kind of privately and ask a question during their break or something, maybe about a family problem they were having or some problem with the children or questions about theology. And we were able to discuss that because it was on a break. We weren't interrupting our work, but it gave the opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ. And people in the office should be aware of those items. Oh, okay. that kind of reminds me of the story of the church officer that I had in one of my churches. Worked for the telephone company. One one day, he comes by my house where I at the office, and he he asked if there were any extra catechisms that he could buy. Well, I gave him one, and he gave me a couple bucks, you know. And a couple of weeks later, he came by. He got a second one, and a couple of months later, he got a third one. And I finally asked him, "What's going on?" He says, "Well, he says at work, they know that I'm a Christian, and they start asking me questions, and I answer them. And I says, I can get you a book that where it answers just about every other question you're going to ask." And he got him a copy of Luther's Small Catechism with explanation, which led to many of them joining the church. Yes, there are ways you can do things. For example, every business does have a lunch hour. And there's no problem with an individual, if he so desires, to say, you know, we're going to have lunch over in this room, in this restaurant. It's private. And we're going to be talking about uh, what we believe concording, according to the Bible. If you have any questions, join us. And that a business could not stop because you're not taking time away from work and you're dealing with a situation where people are volunteering to come and speak with you. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. In fact, aren't there pastors that have Bible studies in restaurants? Uh, yes, I, I know of some, some that have had them in the past. 
set them up and meet with their congregation, members of their congregation, which ultimately led to others coming to to the restaurant and hearing in and joining in on the on the classes. Yeah, that's um, a practice that pastors have where they may announce that they're going to be having a Bible study at such and such a restaurant, and you can come there for breakfast or, or lunch, and they have a separate room, so they're not bothering the other customers. And that would be no you know, problem at all. Uh, when I was going through college, I worked for a vending company, and I was threatened to be fired for sharing my faith. Um, where were you sharing it? Well, it was at one of my stops, and one of the uh, guards at the building stopped in the lunchroom, started engaging me in a conversation. He started asking me all kinds of questions about God, which I gave him answers, and he goes, that was incorrect. And uh, I went back the uh, that evening and went through my catechism, called my pastor up, talked to him a little bit about it. And the next day when I could see him come into the lunchroom, he started engaging me in about God. And I finally asked him, what, what religion are you? And he said he was Jehovah Witness. And, you know, I went down the stuff that the pastor had given me and the scripture passages and we discussed them and he got mad, stomped out of there, told him that, told his boss and the place where that I was sharing religion and they came to me and said, you can't do that. And I said, all, all I did was share answers to what he had asked. I said, I didn't bring up the topic he did, but I said, I sure wasn't going to shy away from it. Yeah, that's a part of the part of persecution that's occurring in the church. There are a lot of people today that just don't like what the church has to say. They say, well, you can say it on a Sunday morning, but don't say it during the week. And I think this is what this article is pretty good at doing. It's saying that Jesus calls his church to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he makes a point that the greatest scientists, composers, hospitals, doctors, they really came out of the church. And that's why in 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is called the pillar and ground of the church. And in Acts 17, he quotes, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And he makes a point that the world is more than the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And that was definitely a message of Jesus also, meaning with Samaritan women going to Samaritan towns and speaking to them about the message of salvation through Christ. Yeah, excellent point that you bring up. Uh, it caused me to take a uh, uh, look back into to Acts and the work of the apostles, uh, Apostle Paul and and uh, his evangelists that went with him, uh, Silas, 
when they were jailed and the earth shook and the 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 doors opened and the chains came off of them and the jailer was going to kill himself. That yep. was a workplace thing. That's right. And they went to the home of the jailer and his whole family was baptized. Yep. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. Yes. Uh, a good he, friend of mine, Pastor Kurowski, had some visitors um, going by where his church was, and they were asking for food and gas money. Well, he had a discussion with them, and he ended up baptizing some of them uh, down at the lake. And so he used that opportunity to share a message with them, much like, who was it? The Ethiopian eunuch? Ethiopian eunuch, yes. And yeah. he was taught by what? Philip. Philip. Philip was running alongside his chariot and, and explained some of that to him. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, what's to prevent me from being baptized when they pass that, that water? Exactly. Now, you made a point that I think is kind of important, that he really doesn't talk that much about the message of Jesus Christ. And he misquotes the scripture. He says, the church is not called to escape the earth, but work with Jesus to renew it. Then he uses the Revelation 21 passage. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first had passed away. And he gives the impression that that's talking about the earth we're living on today. And it's not. It's it's talking about what? The resurrected uh, life. Resur resurrected life. The end of the world. The end of this present world. Yeah, and a lot of churches are caught up in this, thinking that the purpose of the church is to renew the world, change the world. And, and that's not the purpose. Uh, Jesus helped a lot of people on the earth, but he didn't get rid of the Romans. He followed the rules and the commandments of the Romans. He gave taxes. And so we got to be very careful that we don't think that the purpose of the church is, for example, to try and get rid of uh, racism or things like that. We definitely speak out against it, but we got to be very careful how we do that in a way that we're not giving the impression that that now has become the mission of the church. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I wrote down uh, history revisionism. You know, where in God in the history, uh, where is God in the history of mankind in, in this article and came to the same conclusion as you did, you know, it's, it's, that's why I say from Genesis all the way through Revelation, before, before we get into the law of mankind and, and uh, original sin is created and the need then of a Savior, that, that will, uh, which is Jesus, that saves the whole world. Now, he does quote also Ephesians 4, where it does talk about this, 
God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, and that's something that um, some churches have. I've gone to churches, and as you're leaving the driveway, uh, it talks about now you're entering the work of ministry. And it's talking to the lay people, of course. So how do parents, for instance, do the work of ministry? <laughs> they're they're uh, like priests. They're sharing the good news of Jesus. They're telling the story. They're bringing them to church. You know, uh, I think of a family that brings their, their children up. And it's, to them, it's just a regular part of their week to go to worship service and then go to Sunday school. And uh, if the church has special events, they're attending them, they're immersing their children in, in the, the Word of God and having the daily devotional life with them. Yeah, how does Luther talk about at the beginning of his catechism how it is to be used? Mm. What's yeah, he how say? the head of the household, how the head of the house should ought to t teach the family. Yes, um, when I was growing up, we would have dinner together when we were kids with my parents. And then dad would read a Bible story at the end of dinner and he would ask us questions. And they were pretty simple questions if you were listening. They weren't in-depth theological questions, but about the history of the text he was reading. And then you were allowed to leave the table once you were able to answer the questions. So we got to know the Bible pretty good in, in that kind of a situation, as well as other times when we could read the Bible. The, the local church I grew up in back in Nebraska, you know, uh, we would have parts of the catechism from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. So when we came to do our two years of, of catechism instruction. We pretty much had all the Bible verses memorized, plus the stories. The stories always were connected from the Bible and connected to, to the catechism that we had to memorize, whether it was First Commandment with meaning or Second Commandment or the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we did that for eight years. Yeah, I recall uh, a friend of mine, uh, his name was Herman Otten, when he was alive, he would, on Saturday mornings, take his children for a walk through the farmland around where they lived. And what they would be doing is memorizing hymns that they would sing while they were walking along. And that became something that was in the minds of the children as they grew up, that they could turn to those hymns uh, for comfort and aid because hymns are just wonderful in summarizing the message of the Christian church. Yeah, the same church I was from, we had something like four or five pastors out of that congregation within a 30-year period, and three, four, three or four teachers as well. So, you know, it, it had quite a few just in that short period of time. 
And I, I'd like to thank it was uh, the families and of the church and, and the parents of those those uh, individuals that uh, taught the Word of God in its truth and purity, and the, and the love for the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, so many of them went into the ministry. A recent survey among pastors, they asked the question, what is the worst thing about your congregation? And the majority answered apathy. What was the pastor talking about? <laughs> apathy is indifference, not really caring about one one way or the other how, how situations are going or are playing themselves out. Yes, and it's very important we as pastors can help the laity at the church I was at uh, every Thursday night, we would take a group out into the neighborhood, knocking on doors and sharing the message of Jesus Christ with them. And that was a good way not only to teach them, but to give them a way uh, uh, out of their apathy so that they were working also in the neighborhood in teaching the message of Jesus Christ. So I think the article is appropriate in encouraging us not just to worship on Sunday mornings, but to worship God throughout the week in, whenever possible, sharing the message of Jesus Christ with those who are asking us questions. Yes, and, and as you wisely brought out, the pastor, you as a pastor, took them out. You were still connected with your laity as you walked them through witnessing to the neighborhood. So if anybody has any other questions, maybe they have a specific situation. In fact, I have an email that's going to be dealing with that tomorrow on email Friday. So join us again on Law and Gospel for email Friday when we'll be talking. And if you want to write me, it's Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. Thank you, Pastor Reimnitz, for joining today and giving us a good article to talk about and encouraging the laity not to be apathetic, but to use the opportunities God gives them. Until tomorrow then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.